December 8, 2007. It's a Watt from Pedro show. Mm-hmm. 
Watt from Pedro Show. That was Boris with uh, Untitled Track. is uh, track number nine off their Vein record. And we started the show off with John Coltrane with Why Was I Born. Um, this is a special show here. Um, I'm going to rebroadcast. I got permission from uh, Michael Fourier, who was a cat who did uh, a book on the Minuteman's Double Nickels on the Dime record. Um, it was part of that series, uh, 33 and a Third book series. Uh, there's information about it on the Hoot page, H-O-O-T-P-A-G-E dot com or MikeWatt.com. You can go there and find out about that book. Uh, Michael came to town I don't know, back in February or the end of January, uh, the beginning of 2007, and interviewed me about uh, the making of that record, and I talked to him. There's a transcript of the whole interview over there on the Hoot page, if you want to read it. But he did a two-hour radio show, April 2nd, 2007, on uh, WZBC 90.3 FM out of uh, Boston College and um, the, yeah the show was called The Craftomatic Bed of Nails <laughs> which is pretty trippy and um, there's liner notes for the show at uh, www.myspace.com slash k o m b o n or where they get the songs they played and some interesting notes but like I said you can go to the hoop page and get the whole interview if you want to but uh, it's two hour well pert near two hour show and I'll play uh, the first part in the first hour here and the second part in the second hour and I want to thank Michael for all the um, dedication uh, and uh, genuine heartfelt um, feelings for uh, the work of the Minutemen George Hurley D. Boone myself and uh, making that record and uh, letting other folks know about it so here you go rebroadcast of uh, the Double Nickels on the Dime special with Michael Fournier what from Pedro Show. You are listening to WZBC in Newton, 90.3 FM.
very familiar opening strains from a very familiar indie punk classic from 1994. We've just heard the first couple tracks from Double Nickels on the Dime, the Minutemen's masterpiece from 1984. Just a few moments ago, we heard D. Boone's car jamming. That's how the album opens up then. Anxious Mofo, Theater is the Life of You, and Vietnam right now in the background. The dulcetones of Cohesion providing a little bit of a breather Opening up this program devoted entirely to that wonderful album. Last Friday, I featured a one-hour version of this program with author Michael Fournier. We actually recorded much more than one hour's worth of stuff, and today you're getting the full-blown producer's cut two-hour version of a special devoted to that classic album from 1984. My name is John. I'm joined today by author Michael Fournier, who's just uh, written a book about this album, Double Nickels on the Dime. So nice of the Minutemen to put this little breather uh, on the fourth track of the album. Yeah. Prior to this, the uh, Minutemen had a whole bunch of records, and sometimes it was hard to catch your breath. You know, they put out a record that was called The Punchline, and that contained 18 songs in 15 minutes. So if you (laughs) blink, you miss it. So Mm -hmm. uh, on this record here, Double Nickels on the Dime, there are these little interludes where you get a little bit of space, you get a chance to catch your breath, and uh, absorb what you just heard. And we get a chance to sort of talk over top of it. That's true. They were thinking of us. Although I like this song so much that we're going to hear it again later in the program without us talking over it. Excellent. We're going to be talking all about the great album Double Nickels on the Dime, kind of in a song-for-song, blow-by-blow fashion. This uh, book that I wrote focuses more on the songwriting and the jokes and the stories behind all the songs than on the Minutemen's history because... uh, there's a chapter of this book called Our Band Could Be Your Life that does a better job than I can do talking about the Minutemen's history. There's also a film that came out, which is now available on DVD, called We Jam Econo that also tells the story. So we're more in a rock criticism and music appreciation mode today. Right. And so one example of that, something I like to do when I do this kind of program, is we will play lots of music from Double Nickels on the Dime, but we will also play 
a lot of music from other artists and from other albums that relates in one way or the other to the album. First example of that is coming up in a moment. We're going to hear something by a band called The Pop Group. The Pop Group was a big influence on the Minutemen in that they were kind of funky. There wasn't a lot of funk going on in the punk scene in 1984. And when Mike Watt was learning how to play bass, the records that influenced him the most were the ones where he could hear the bass lines, mostly funk albums. So when the pop group started sort of fusing a little bit of funk into their punk, that was really inspirational to Watt and the Minutemen because they realized they could fuse anything with anything. We'll follow it up with some early Minutemen music, and we've got a whole program ahead of us devoted to the Minutemen's classic album, Double Nickels on the Dime. But right now, here's something called Blind Faith from the pop group on WZBC. Yeah. 
gets wasted in pedro by the reactionaries actually a song that's released on the minutemen's album politics of time but which includes a lot of very early recordings in some cases recordings that were made before the minutemen were really the minutemen uh, the band that eventually turned into the minutemen was was the reactionaries the reactionaries were essentially the minutemen plus this guy named martin tamborovich who was their singer but then later on d boone thought that having a singer was too bougie he thought it was too rock to have a traditional frontman, so that's when uh, the reactionaries disbanded, and then they formed the Minutemen, you know, who didn't have a frontman per se. Uh, one of the three guys would be singing, and mm-hmm. they thought that was more of a political statement. We'd have a little bit more to say about the early formation of the Minutemen. That song that we just got done hearing was recorded in January of 1979. The Minutemen, as such, were actually founded about a year later. But I want to jump right now to 1983 and the recording of an EP called Buzz or Howl Under the Influence of Heat. That's the Minuteman record that directly precedes Double Nickels on the Dime. The guy who was doing most of the recording for the bands that were on SST Records was this guy by the name of Spot. Spot was a good producer, you know, a good engineer, and everybody liked working with him. But by 1983, the Minutemen had met this guy, Ethan James. And Ethan James was the keyboard player of this, uh, this band, Blue Cheer, from the 60s. They get name-dropped a lot as being one of the first heavy metal bands. He was working at a studio called Radio Tokyo, and he wanted to put out a compilation album. So he said, hey, the Minutemen, if you guys record a song, I'll do it for free, and we'll put it on this compilation that I have. But the Minutemen wrote really short songs. So they played three songs, told Ethan James it was one song. And then they put it on their album anyway. So those three songs appeared as one of the sides on Buzz or Howl, Under the Influence of Heat. Then they recorded the other side of the record with Spot, the sort of in-house SST recording engineer. Yeah, so they paid Spot $50 to record some songs live to two-track. (laughs) <laughs> and the other side was uh, was free. You know, Ethan James did it for free. But recorded in a really fancy pro studio. Right, yeah. So that record cost $50. Okay, as an example of the different sounds from the two sides of that record, we'll hear something from the side that Spot recorded, Little Man with a Gun in His Hand, a very popular Minutemen song. 
and something from the other side of the record recorded by Ethan James, a song called Cut. Ethan James, the guy that eventually would produce Double Nickels on the Dime. So we're laying a little bit of groundwork right now on this special radio program devoted to the Mintmen's 1984 classic Double Nickels on the Dime.
Cut and Little Man with a Gun in His Hand. Those are not from Double Nickels on the Dime, but from the record that preceded it, Buzz or Howl Under the Influence of Heat. But Cut was produced by Ethan James, who eventually did produce Double Nickels on the Dime. Little Man with a Gun in His Hand was uh, written by a member of Black Flag. Yeah, Chuck Dukowski, who is uh, Black Flag's original bass player, wrote the lyrics for that when the Minutemen were on tour in... 1983 with Black Flag. I think they were in Germany when that was recorded. Black Flag and the Minutemen go way, way back. When uh, the Minutemen were still the reactionaries in 1979, um, they went to a Clash gig. And outside of the Clash gig, there was like this tall, weird-looking guy passing out flyers for a punk show in San Pedro. The Minutemen were like, whoa, there's a gig in our hometown. We didn't know punk rock was going to come to San Pedro. So they talked to this weird-looking guy, and they're like, hey, are you putting on a show in San Pedro? We're from there. We have a band, and the tall guy, who turns out to be Greg Ginn from Black Flag, is like, oh, well, if you guys have a band, you should play this show with us. So the reactionaries play their first show with Black Flag, who are playing their second show. So then uh, when the reactionaries disband and start again as the Minutemen, the Minutemen then play their first show with Black Flag, and after that show, Greg Ginn came up to them and said, listen, we're going to put out a record. I like you guys enough so that... The second record on my label, SST, is going to be the Minutemen's record. And then, of course, the Minutemen stuck with SST the whole time, even though Mike Watt had also started his own label. Yeah, he started a label called New Alliance because he was like, well, you know, if I'm going to do this punk rock thing, i got to be in a band, i got to put on shows, and I have to have a record label. But he also didn't just use his record label to put his own records out. One of the things that he put out on New Alliance Records was the first album by Husker Du. That's right, yeah. Husker Du is a three-piece for Minneapolis, so the Minutemen liked them very much because they were both three pieces. You know, like when one band would tour, they'd stay on the other band's floor. <laughs> and uh, Joe Carducci gave Mike Watt a tape that eventually became Landspeed Record, the first mm-hmm. Husker Du album. SST Records didn't have enough money to put out that record, but Mike Watt was like, I'll put it out. We should explain that Joe Carducci was uh, running the show pretty much at SST Records at this point. Right. Greg Ginn owned the label, but he was always on tour with Black Flag. Mm-hmm. So all these bands, Black Flag, Minutemen, and Husker Du, with very much intertwined origins, put a lot of their records out on SST Records. And one of the records that Husker Du eventually put out on SST Records came out just before Double Nickels on the Dime, the subject of this program that we're in the middle of right now. Yeah, the uh, the guys in Husker Du booked a tour from their hometown in Minneapolis to California with the intent of meeting up with Spot and uh, recording this double album, which also happened to be a concept record. So in 1983 and 1984... You know, a punk band putting out a concept record was unprecedented. So people were a little bit wary initially. Mm-hmm. But then it turns out that uh, Zen Arcade, which is that, that double album we're talking about, and Double Nickels on the Dime kind of blew the doors off, and everything changed after that. One of the things that I like a lot about the copies of those albums that I first became acquainted with is that they are WZBC's copies. I was a freshman in college in 1984, new to WZBC, at that time, Gerard Cosley was a DJ here at WZBC. Gerard Cosley is now co-owner of Matador Records. He also was sort of the main man behind Homestead Records in the 1980s. His comment on Zen Arcade, I can remember it very clearly. We still have the record. We've got it right here in front of us as we're doing the show. It says, I guess some of this stuff gets a little bit self-absorbed, but since they pull off 99% of it, it's okay. If you like this 1984 indie punk music, You're going to enjoy the rest of this program when we feature one of the real classics of the genre, Double Nickels on the Dime. You're also going to want to be listening to WZBC's Test Pattern on May 4th when Peter is down here featuring other albums from 1984, including Zen Arcade by Husker Du, also Meat Puppets 2 and Let It Be by The Replacements. 
Well, since we're focusing on double nickels and the dime tonight, we want to explain the important connection between Zen Arcade, Husker Du's album from 1984, and Double Nickels on the Dime. When uh, when Spot finished recording Zen Arcade, uh, you know the Minutemen got to check out the tapes and everything. The Minutemen were astounded that Zen Arcade was not only a double album but a concept album. So at that point, they said to themselves, "Wow." We've got to write a double concept album also. The problem was they had already recorded a single album before they got this idea. They had gone back in the studio with Ethan James and recorded an album's worth of material, what was supposed to be their next album. And then after they had already done that, they got this sort of kick in the pants from Husker Du. So what they did after that is they went back in with uh, Ethan James and they recorded another batch of songs. Then they had to deal with coming up with some concepts and they had to deal with what order the songs were going to come out in. So we've already been talking for a long time now explaining this stuff, so maybe we'll listen to a little bit of music and get back to explain exactly what those concepts were. But right now, here's a selection from Zen Arcade, Husker Du's double concept album from 1984. We'll follow it up with something from Double Nickels on the Dime, the Minutemen's double concept album from that same year.
A slightly edited version there of It's Expected, I'm Gone, a real favorite from the Minutemen's classic album Double Nickels on the Dime. You're listening to a program devoted entirely to that album and related music. Before that, we had some related music from the band Husker Du. We heard Pink Turns Blue from Zen Arcade, an album that also came out in 1984 and in large part inspired the Minutemen's Double Nickels on the Dime. Michael has written a book all about the album Double Nickels on the Dime. It's part of a series of books called 33 and a Third. Each volume in the series is somebody writing about a favorite album, and you are going to contribute to the series by writing about Double Nickels on the Dime. I've read the entire transcript of your interview with Mike Watt for the book, and I really love one... uh, I love many aspects about the Minutemen's approach to songwriting, and one thing I like is, for example, that Mike Watt wrote a lot of songs, but more often than not, he was writing songs with the intention of his bandmate D. Boone to be the one who actually sang the songs. It's Expected I'm Gone, a song that we just heard a moment ago, is a great example of that. As I said, we heard an edited version of that song with an expletive deleted, but the story about that expletive, I think, is a a fine example of Mike Watt and D. Boone's interaction as singers and songwriters. D. Boone was this uh, sort of large man, and he always wore, like, horribly ugly cut-off shorts and, like, loafers with tassels on them with white (laughs) socks. You know, like, he wasn't a a very snappy dresser. When he played, he would get all angry, and his face would turn red. So Mike Watt thought it would be really funny if uh, D. Boone was going to be standing on stage wearing these hideous cut-off shorts, like, with his face all red, jumping up and down, if, like, he was playing a song, and then he said big blankety blank you know Mm -hmm. so mike watt wrote those deleted expletives specifically into the song because he thought it would be funny to watch it would just look funny yeah so after the expletive something that we didn't need to edit out of the song was d boone following up this expletive by saying right now man as if he's getting in someone's face to start a fight or something like that and one of the things that's so beautiful about the Minutemen is that d boone and mike watt were childhood friends they met in grade school or junior high or something and sort of grew up together you know, Mike Watt witnessed many times this sort of chubby kid getting picked on in school, his friend getting picked on all the time. And now he was very gratified to see D. Boone in all his glory, having the time of his life up on stage as a punk rock star. And just he wanted him to revel in it. And he got a lot of kicks of looking across the stage and seeing D. Boone like now being the big guy. He was totally going for it. <laughs> Those guys are too great. We are in the middle of this special radio program devoted to the Minutemen's classic album from 1984, Double Nickels on the Dime. We mentioned earlier that Double Nickels on the Dime is a little bit of a response to Husker Du's Zen Arcade, which is a double album and a concept double album. Maybe not the kind of thing you would expect from punk rock bands. And the Minutemen decided to also make a double album concept album, but they did it a bit as an afterthought. They had already recorded half the album not as a concept album when they decided to expand it into a double album with concepts and so these concepts are almost an afterthought here to explain them is the expert on the subject mike fournier the author of this book about double nickels on the dime a couple of dilemmas they didn't know how to sequence the songs because they were recorded in two different sessions and they wanted their album to be a concept album too so 
they uh, did things a couple different ways. Uh, the big song in 1984 was the song I Can't Drive 55 by Sammy Hagar, the red rocker. You know, he had his red leather pants on. So they decided they were going to pick on him a little bit because they didn't think that driving 65 miles per hour was rebellious. They decided that they were going to be rebellious by writing their own songs. Plus, they lived right by uh, Interstate 10 in California. In trucker speak on your CB radio prior to cell phones, driving 55 was called double nickels. They thought it would be funny if they were driving 55 on Route 10, so they named the record Double Nickels on the Dime. Each guy in the band, George, Mike, and Dee, got their own solo song because they were big Pink Floyd fans. Pink Floyd put out this record called Amagama, in which all the different band members had a solo section. So, you know, the Minutemen are like, oh, we got to do that, too. So each guy in the band has a solo song. Then to pick the order, they had like a little fantasy league draft where they drew straws and each guy would sequentially pick one song out of the 46 that they recorded. (laughs) Each guy picked songs that he wanted to have on his side, and that was also tied to the sequencing as well. Not only were you picking songs, but the order in which you picked them would be the order of the songs on your side of the record? That's right, yeah. So George Hurley picked the first song, and his uh, first song on his side is uh, is his solo song, which mm-hmm. is like a bunch of drums, and he kind of does a little bit of scat beats over it. The guys in the band were uh, Mike and D were like, "Wow, he just picked his own song, which he was gonna get anyway, you know?" Because none of them were gonna pick it, right? Yeah, because but was... he wanted that to be the first song on his side. That's the reason <laughs> he picked it first. Since we have started off listening to the record on this program a little bit, we've been listening to songs all from the first side of the album, which is D. Boone's side of the record, otherwise known as Side D. And we're kind of already in the middle of that side. We just hadn't explained it yet that that was it. And that doesn't mean it's all songs written by D. Boone. Sometimes he picked songs written by the other guys that he wanted to have on his side of the record. That's how it worked. And naturally, we don't have time to play the entire album and talk about it. So we're skipping a lot of great songs, but we're hearing a lot of great songs as well. And so since we've had so many long voice breaks to introduce the program today, let's back off a little bit now and, you know, listen to three whole songs in a row without talking. (laughs) What's that, like 95 seconds? Here we go. (laughs) All from uh, still the first side of Double Nickels on the Dime, all songs from D. Boone's side, beginning now with a great one called Number One Hit Song on a special edition of the Craftomatic Bed of Nails devoted entirely to Double Nickels on the Dime by the Minutemen.
word war will set off the keg. My words are war. Should a word have two meanings? What the fuck for? Should words serve the truth? recording from the Minutemen, live recording featured on what is otherwise a studio album, Double Nickels on the Dime, and that's a cover, a CCR cover. We also had Do You Want New Wave or Do You Want the Truth, and number one hit song, some favorites from the Minutemen's Double Nickels on the Dime album. I love the stories that Mike Watt told you about why this live recording, Don't Look Now, is included on what was otherwise a studio album. They had a studio version all recorded and ready to go, and it's a song about personal responsibility that CCR sang in the 60s. 
about how responsibility can't be shirked and sometimes you got to think about how you're affecting things. At that point, the Minutemen had enough of a fan base that, you know, like 100 people would come out and see the shows. Mm -hmm. And uh, Joe Carducci, who was running SST at that point, made a live recording of Don't Look Now, you know, just on his little handheld tape recorder. And when he was listening back to it, he thought it was really funny that there was this song about personal responsibility that was being directed at the audience. But then you can totally hear the audience talking about, hey, that guy over there is hot, or, you know, like, let me get another beer or something. So even though it's a song about personal responsibility, nobody's paying attention. Even those few people who go out of their way to see a band like the Minutemen, who probably also take these kind of issues pretty seriously. Right. So Carducci pitched the idea to Mike Watt, you know, like, oh, this adds more weight to the message. Mm -hmm. And without even hearing the tape, Mike Watt was like, yeah, put that on the album instead. <laughs> Everything about how this record was put together, it just warms my heart. We are in the middle of the first side of the album. As we explained a little bit earlier, that means this is the side of the album that was chosen and sequenced by Dee Boone, one member of the Minutemen, the way they put these records together with this whole fantasy draft, quote-unquote, they drew straws and started picking songs for which ones they wanted on their side of the record. They also kind of agreed with each other that as you're drafting the songs, you should pick the stronger songs first and the weaker songs later so that the best songs, at least in the person who put the side together, the best songs sort of appear near the beginning of the album and the sort of weaker material is, quote-unquote, hugging the label, as Mike Watt puts it. So we don't have time to play all the songs. Personally, I like almost everything on this album, I hate to skip anything. We are going to skip a few songs. We're going to skip the last few songs on D. Boone's side to get to Mike Watt's side now, but at least those are the songs that D. Boone chose to put hugging the label. Mike Watt's side was the second side of the album. He opens his side of the record with a song called Political Song for Michael Jackson to Sing. Also, really love the story that he told you about what he had in mind with that song. Michael Jackson was the king of pop in 1984 yeah. when this record came out. And Mike Watt was starting to worry about war. He was noticing that these kids that were like 18 and 19 years old were getting put in the service. He thought that people would become more aware of the problem if he could write a song, send it to Michael Jackson, and if Michael Jackson could sing about this. So he did. He wrote a letter. Never heard back, obviously. The song's kind of about how when Mike Watt was a kid, he was in the Boy Scouts. His dad was a sailor, so he didn't always have a good uh, positive male role model around the house because his dad would get shipped out for months at a time. So his mom signed him up for the Boy Scouts. His first scoutmaster was this guy who took them all out on hikes, and they'd go camping, and Mike Watt was like, oh, this is great, you know, like mm -hmm. I'm learning about trees and birds. Then the next scoutmaster who came in made all the kids look the same, and that instead of going on camping trips and hikes, they had to drill for hours at a time. It was more about discipline with this right. guy. So Mike Watt was like, oh, this discipline of the Boy Scouts, that's just extending a little bit, a couple years to the military. Sort of like almost if it's, as if it were preparing them to all join the military. Or something. Right. And he thought it was cooler learning about like the Native Americans and learning about right. camping and stuff. So this is kind of a protest song about the Boy Scouts, but it's also about war, but it's also about Michael Jackson. So perhaps as we listen to this great song from the Minutemen, we can imagine Michael Jackson singing it instead of the Minutemen. In any case, here it is, political song for Michael Jackson to sing from uh, Double Nickels on the Dime by the Minutemen. This monitor's a right with petition. After philosophy, is your life worth a painting? Is this girl versus boy with different symbols? for his power. Scout leader, Nazi tag, is your wrist change me hostage Me, I'm fighting with my head I'm not a big boy I must look like a dork 
world Near the other end Dedicated To fighting toadies 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 from the Minutemen something from side two that is Mike Watts side of the album we also heard Maybe Partying Will Help and Political Song from Michael Jackson to sing in the background right now we're hearing something from Shostakovich's Ninth Symphony a symphony that a lot of serious music critics panned viciously at the time in the 1950s for being a little bit too frivolous documents that people have had access to since Shostakovich died make it clear that at this point in Shostakovich's life here, the, the Ninth Symphony, it was a time where he was ticked off at uh, being censored by Stalin, and it appears that this entire symphony, this supposed lighthearted, frivolous symphony, is basically written to mock Stalin and the Politburo members. He's sort of giving them what they were asking for by writing this goofy, pompous symphony. He was doing it as sort of a goof. He was doing something that they would approve of and making it as silly as possible to make, let them make fools of themselves by praising it, you know. I had no idea. Then his 10th symphony was written right after Stalin's death and is a really heavy symphony and is considered one of his best ones that oh, he was right a, sort on. of celebrating. So interesting career with Shostakovich, you know, going in and out of favor with Stalin. Mike Watt's kind of a fan of that guy's life story, and at least the lyrics of Toadies are a little bit inspired by characters like him. Because uh, Stalin always had a bunch of yes-men around him, mm-hmm. a bunch of toadies. Okay, that's the first half of um, Double Nickels on the Dime, special with Mike, Michael Fournier. Uh, that was uh, broadcast last spring. Uh, part two come up in the second hour of this uh, December 8, 2007, Watt from Pedro show. So um, hold tight for that. December 8, 2007, it's Watt from Pedro show, and I fucked up. Uh, this special wasn't done in Boston, Massachusetts. It was Newton, Massachusetts. But anyway, here's the second part of Double Nickels on the Dime special with Michael Fartier from uh, WZBC broadcast last spring. That brings us up to a, a real fan favorite on Double Nickels on the Dime. Here's a song called uh, Corona, really interesting uh, story about how this song was written. This song and a song called I Felt Like a Gringo were both inspired by a 4th of July trip that the Minutemen took to Mexico. Uh, the day before they went to Mexico, they had shaved their heads and painted them black for a performance art piece. They looked like matches in a book. They stood up on stage, I think at Club Lingerie in Hollywood. So the, the next day, they go to Mexico, and they're totally like hanging out on the beach, and they're drinking some beer, and they're having a good time and swimming in the ocean. None of them thought to put sunscreen on their heads because they had just shaved their heads for the first time. So they got huge sunburns. Mm. And, you know, they got dehydrated and they all passed out on the beach. So they woke up the next morning with these giant sunburns covered with sand on their faces because they slept on the <laughs> beach. There was some woman who was picking up all their empty beer bottles because she was going to get the deposits for those. So mm-hmm. they wrote that song, Corona, about the beer that they were drinking. So here's the song Corona and a few other things from the Minutemen's Double Nickels on the Dime.
You are listening to WZBC in Newton, 90.3 FM. Hope we can rely on you not to use shower. You're not keeping tub caught. Cause both downstairs bath ceilings and walls to be soggy. Tub has to be properly caught prior to any showering. Walls are drenched. Both roofer and plumber here. Had to pay for two service calls. Water drips from all around. Kathy's ceiling. My ceiling. Don't use shower. Don't use shower. piece of music there called Take 5D, something from Mike Watt's side of Double Nickels on the Dime. We also heard Glory of Man and Corona at the top of the set. In the background, we're listening to music from the Velvet Underground's Here She Comes Now, a little loop I made from the guitar riff from that song. Another example of the influences on the Minutemen as they were putting their art together, as well exemplified by this album Double Nickels on the Dime. I guess Mike Watt told you, Mike, that... um, this Velvet Underground song inspired the lick in History Lesson Part 2. He did, yeah. The Minutemen, uh, unlike a lot of punk and hardcore bands at the time, the Minutemen didn't think that there was a ground zero. You know, like when the Sex Pistols put out Anarchy in the UK and God Save the Queen, they were trying to say, like, history starts here. And a lot of punk bands bought into that. Mm-hmm. But the, uh, the guys in the Minutemen were such big music fans that they were never embarrassed or intimidated by their influences. So they were always very careful to you know, acknowledge when bands had inspired them. That's what this song, History Lessons, is about. They're talking about how they grew up listening to Blue Oyster Cult, and they're talking about they're playing a Velvet Underground song, essentially. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're playing a riff because they want the listener to understand where their influences are coming from. And they just say it right in, in the lyrics of the song. Yep. The result, of course, to, to my ears, doesn't wind up sounding anything like Blue Oyster Cult or Creedence Clearwater Revival or any of those bands. I mean, of course, I can hear the influences, and we'll hear other examples during the program today where we'll do what we're doing right now is play this Velvet Underground song, and then we'll play the Minutemen song right after it. So as you listen, you can, you can hear, and you say, oh yeah, okay, I hear, I hear that. But the album is an absolutely unique expression, a very individual expression, unlike anything else, the Minutemen's record. And I play this for younger friends of mine who are into punk rock, and of course, what younger friends of mine mean when they say punk rock is different than what I mean when I say punk rock sometimes. I can't tell you how many times I've had the reaction from somebody who says, I don't know what this record is, but it's not punk rock. I suppose I'm even comfortable with that. I mean, I consider it an indie punk classic is probably the phrase that I would use more most often when I describe this record. 
but it is whatever they want it to be, and they are their own thing, and much to their credit. And my favorite passage from the entire interview that you have with Mike Watt is the part where he says that even in 1984, people would confront the Minutemen and say, you guys don't sound like a punk band. And Mike Watt's response in your interview to that just warms my heart, and I'll use it as introduction to History Lesson Part 2, the final song from Mike Watt's side of the record. In response to this, quote, you guys don't sound like a punk band, Watt says, well, I thought that was the idea. Punk wasn't a style of music. It's a state of mind, and the style of music is up to each band doing it.
The Red and the Black there from Blue Oyster Cult's second album, a favorite song of the Minutemen. They actually covered that song. We also heard History Lesson Part 2 before that, a song that very explicitly name-checks a lot of the Minutemen's influences, including the Blue Oyster Cult. Probably not every day that you hear Blue Oyster Cult on WZBC, but the Minutemen, Double Nickels on the Dime, an undisputed classic here in the eyes of WZBC, and at least I think it's interesting to realize the connections between those two things. Minutemen, actually a really interesting band in terms of their influences. Influences as disparate as James Joyce and the Blue Oyster Cult helped shape this album, Double Nickels on the Dime. As the Minutemen were touring with Black Flag, Mike Watt was reading Ulysses, and uh, they stayed in Washington, D.C. with Henry Rollins' mom, and Henry, uh, I'm sorry, Henry's mom gave Mike Watt the annotated Ulysses. So it basically just tells you about all the jokes and all the influences and references and everything. As Watt was writing the lyrics for Double Nickels on the Dime, he was sort of playing with style the same way that James Joyce did. There's passages that he writes from his own point of view, from somebody else's point of view, looking at him, looking at Dee Boone, you know, so it's a pretty literary record in a lot of ways. And in the background right now, as we're chatting about this, we're hearing the opening track from side three of the record. This was George Hurley's side of the record. George Hurley was the drummer of the Minutemen, and each member kind of put one side of the record together. As we mentioned earlier, George started off his side of the record with his solo song, which is this uh, bizarre thing we're hearing in the background right now. It's pretty weird. (laughs) But then he gets down to business right after that. The the next song on George's side is a Dee Boone song, uh, West Germany, more of a typical Minutemen song and a very strong one, even though Mike Watt kind of jokes around about how silly it was that George, quote-unquote, wasted his first pick on uh, You Need the Glory, a song that nobody was going to pick anyway. He said that West Germany is a very strong track that Watt might have picked next if George hadn't already snatched it up. I think West Germany is a prototypical Minutemen song. You know, Dee Boone, when he was writing lyrics, was always writing lyrics with a populist bent so that you could understand. And again, he was really into his politics. When uh, the Minutemen and Black Flag were on tour, they got to see the Berlin Wall. And they're like, oh, wow, we're these working class dudes from California, and we get to see all this stuff that we've read about and seen Mm -hmm. on television. So they were really excited about that.
New Gods from the Meat Puppets from their album Meat Puppets 2, a classic from 1984. West Germany from the Minutemen, also from a 1984 classic. Double Nickels on the Dime, a 1984 classic that we've been talking about for quite a while and we'll be talking about for the remainder of today's program. 1984 was a great year for music. I've also mentioned that Peter is going to be featuring some other classic albums from 1984 on a future test pattern here at WZBC on May 4th. One of the albums he's going to feature is Meat Puppets 2. That's the album that that Meat Puppets song came from that we just got done listening to. But today it's all about double nickels on the dime. Michael, needless to say, spent a lot of time thinking about the record, listening to the record, and preparing himself to write this book. We've already spoken a little bit about how the tracks on the album are actually sequenced. The different members of the band drew straws and picked songs in order, put together three of the four sides in the double album, according to the songs that they picked for their side of the record. Michael got interested in that and thought about an alternative ordering for the tracks. I decided at some point during my Minutemen immersion, as it were, that I was going to try and listen to the record in the order in which it was drafted. So George picked first, and then uh, Mike Watt picked after that, then Dee Boone picked after that. So I listened to it in the order that they selected the songs. It was fun. It was an exercise. As the Minutemen were writing this record, they had some quiet bits, so you weren't just bombarded by 90 seconds of bombast Mm-hmm. time and time again. So there are little breaks, you know, like little uh, little pauses in the action. So reordering the songs, put the pauses in different places, and sometimes the order of the songs changed the way that you hear them. The way the record is actually sequenced, you hear toadies and it bleeds right into retreat. And the two songs are really similar, especially in the bass lines. So when I first started listening to the record, I thought it was one long song. Well, I know that in your book you said that of all the different alternate sequences that come up when you listen to it in the other way. One of your favorites was the sequence we're about to hear next. So we're going to hear three songs from the album now, not in the sequence that they appear on the album, but in the sequence that they would appear if you just listen to the songs in the order that the songs were quote-unquote drafted by the Minutemen. And so the next three songs are going to be Retreat, Cohesion, and Themselves. Yeah, the uh, Retreat is a song uh, about Mike Watt dealing with the after-effects of doing hallucinogens, right? Mm-hmm. And then uh, Cohesion is a, it's a really pretty, kind of like flamenco-influenced uh, guitar ditty, I guess. Then Themselves is a sea shanty. It's, it's written in waltz time. So they're all gentle in a weird way, even though like you wouldn't necessarily think that a song about having a hallucinogenic hangover is gentle. It kind of is. You know? uh, so it's really cool to listen to these songs in, in a different order. Conditioning will lose their meaning. The toilet. Starts flushing, sets me off again. But I 
am a thorn I read it In your face The cause of Thunderclap By that tape recorder They're called Themselves by the Minutemen. The song comes from Double Nickels on the Dime, their 1984 classic that we've been obsessing over on this program. 
Before that, we had Cohesion and Retreat, two other great examples of music from that classic album. We don't have time to play everything that we would like to play today, but one that we think would be fun to listen to is a Minutemen song called No Exchange from Double Nickels on the Dime. And Mike Watt explained how that one is inspired by some music by the British band Wire. Wire was another one of these bands, along with the pop group, that was a huge influence on the Minutemen. Wire was stripping their song structure down so much that they were skipping out on things like verses and choruses, you know, and guitar solos. They were just writing these, like, short little bursts of song, and the Minutemen were very inspired by that, as you might have noticed by this show that you're listening to. On one of the Wire records, they, uh, Wire starts to expand their music a little bit, which is pretty symphonic. It's always like ebbing and flowing, and they build up to a crescendo and then pull it back and build it up and pull it back. So on this song, No Exchange, that the Minutemen did, they're trying to follow that form, except, you know, they're the Minutemen. So the, the song's two minutes long instead of like five and a half minutes long the way Wire is. So fading up in the background right now is Mercy from Wire's second album, Chairs Missing. And then we'll go right into No Exchange by the Minutemen from Double Nickels on the Dime. Yeah. 
favorite from Double Nickels on the Dime, Minutemen's classic album from 1984. I'm here with author Michael Fournier, who's written a book about Double Nickels on the Dime. I guess the title of the book is just Double Nickels on the Dime, and it's in the 33 and a third series. That is correct. Thanks a lot for stopping down to help us revel in the glory of this great album. Amen. There's nothing I'd rather do on a Friday than geek out about a bunch of records, so it's a good time. Before This Ain't No Picnic, we also had No Exchange from the same Minutemen record and Wire's song Mercy a song that the Minutemen's No Exchange is, to some extent, modeled after. In the background right now, we're listening to a piece of music called June 16th, an instrumental track from the fourth side of Double Nickels on the Dime. Yeah, June 16th is Bloomsday. Remember once again that Mike Watt's a big Ulysses fan. It's also Raymond Pettibon's birthday. Uh, Pettibon's, uh, he's like, he's an actual artist now. Like, <laughs> he has like Guggenheim shows and everything. He did a lot of uh, artwork for Black Flag and for the Minutemen. So the song's got the duality of intention in the title. Another interesting thing that Watt had to say about June 16th was how it was one of many examples of songs that Watt brought to the band and really only had to explain in the briefest of terms to his bandmates before D. Boone just completely understood what he wanted and was able to, to fit just the perfect guitar part to it. Yeah, those guys grew up learning to play together. So, you know, starting from whatever age, 13, 14, they sort of figured out music together. So when one guy would bring a song in, the other guy would pick it up instantly. And they would, you know, like with one repetition, they'd have the song all written. And it really is exemplified in almost anything that you listen to by the Minutemen. But man, on Double Nickels on the Dime, the songwriting credits are just all over the place. And they really just had this amazing, organic, nonsensical working relationship. Another one of my favorite examples of how these guys occasionally wrote songs together, a lot of the songs that are credited to D. Boone are songs where they are D. Boone lyrics, but D. Boone used to have notebooks. Every now and then he'd scribble something down in a notebook and just toss the notebook in the back of the van. And Watt claimed to you that every now and then he would just clean out the van and find all these old notebooks from D. Boone. And he would take those lyrics that D. Boone had written and he would make a song out of them 
then he would come to practice and say, I've got this song with lyrics that you wrote. Here you go, D. Boone. You wrote this song. <laughs> and D. And Boone was ba- And he'd say, here's the bass line for it, and then D. Boone would make the guitar part for it. And D. Boone, like, I think he would have every right to be like, what are you doing? You know, yeah. to be embarrassed by it, but he was never embarrassed by that. He right. just, like, he went with it because he's like, oh, yeah, this is the stuff that I wrote. We've been talking a lot already about how the three members of the Minutemen sort of curated a side of the album for themselves. Sides one through three were curated by D. Boone, Mike Watt, and George Hurley, respectively. That left side four to be dealt with. They did have four sides worth of material for this album, and side four is called Side Chaff. These are the songs that didn't get picked in the little fantasy draft. After the, se- the fantasy draft, you separate the wheat from the chaff. One might reasonably expect that this is a lot of weaker material on Side Chaff. I think some people might actually beg to differ. The next song we're going to listen to, Jesus and Tequila, a real favorite, one of the more popular songs from the album. It's one of my favorite stories about this record is that... Uh, D. Boone was working for SST for a, a period of time, and uh, again, Joe Carducci was the manager at that point. D. Boone used to call in sick a lot, and then he'd go back to sleep. So the joke around the office was that they were going to write a country record for D. Boone to sing on, and it was going to be called Hard Working Man, because he was always calling in sick and then just going back to bed. So <laughs> by the time Mike Watt asked Carducci for lyrics, he already had this song, Jesus and Tequila, written, kind of like thinking about Neil Young and Crazy Horse, who they used to listen to at the uh, SST office a lot on the radio. And I know that Mike Watt's also a huge fan of D. Boone's guitar style on, well, on everything that D. Boone did, but on this song, at least in the interview with him, this is one that he really pointed out, that he praises D. Boone's guitar playing on this song as so econo. Yeah, econo is short for uh, economical, because the Minutemen were working class, they tried to streamline their tours, and they tried to minimize their expenses. If you listen to the guitar solo on this song, there's not any extra notes. So in that way, it's it's very econo of D. Boone to not totally go off and sort of wank on his guitar solo. He just keeps it simple. She saw She loved me so good She made a daddy man But my woman cried She dead to me now My woman ran off And I can't deny
for your son Don't give away your love Don't give away your sweat Because a girl can't know you And a boss can't forget
And yes, that was a Van Halen cover. 38 seconds in all its glory. Ain't talking about love. Minutemen, as we said many times before, not shy about showing their influences. A lot of influence coming into that last set of music. We heard Storm in My House before Ain't Talking About Love, lyrics of that one written by Henry Rollins. We also had Ack, Ack, Ack from The Urinals and Jesus and Tequila, two songs that feature very econo guitar parts. The Urinals, uh, Los Angeles contemporaries of The Minutemen, and that's a song The Minutemen used to cover, Ack, 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 Ack. The Urinals were another band like Wire who were super econo in their playing. Ack, Ack, Ack has like the one chord for a while, and then like the big momentum shift happens, and they just go up half a step. <laughs> so the Minutemen were impressed by the sort of elegance of the songwriting that they did. And that is bringing us just about to the end of the album here, Double Nickels on a Dime, and therefore the end of the program. You've been listening to a special program devoted to Double Nickels on the Dime. This record came out in the summer of 1984. Just a little over a year later, D. Boone died tragically in a traffic accident in December of 1985. Not surprisingly, Mike Watt took that really hard. I mean, like, for years, that was sort of the central thing in his life, was dealing with the fact that D. Boone had died. And even, of course, today, that's just a very heavy thing for him. Yeah, he stopped playing bass completely for a while. Mm -hmm. He was just like, if my friend's not here, I'm not going to play bass ever again. And then the people in Sonic Youth talked him into playing on one of their songs. So that kind of got him back. And then later on, this guy, Ed Crawford, drove to San Pedro from Ohio and knocked on uh, Mike Watt's door and said, listen, we've got to start a band. And that's how Firehose started. Mm -hmm. it, it's like this like fantastical story. It sounds like it's made up. You know, It yeah. sounds like a chapter in a bad novel, but it actually happened. <laughs> so it, it's, uh, it's wild. We'll close out the program in a way very similar to the way we began the program with the sound of cars revving. We end with three car jam, all three Minutemen sort of revving their engines to close out Double Nickels on the Dime. Right before that, though, comes this instrumental that we've got going in the background, Love Dance. The strange thing about this song is it's actually used as the soundtrack for a Volvo commercial. Yeah, it's kind of strange. It's not the catchiest Minuteman song. That might also strike people as a little bit strange that Mike Watt, who controls the rights for who gets to use songs that he wrote and that D. Boone wrote, would even allow a song like this to be used for a Volvo commercial. Yeah, after D. Boone died, D. Boone's dad was still alive for a long time. And when the Volvo Corporation approached Mike Watt about using this song in a commercial, he decided to do it because D. Boone's dad was sick. So the song was used in a Volvo commercial, and then all the money went towards D. Boone's dad's medical costs. The same thing happened with Jackass. Decided that Jackass would be a good venue for uh, Corona, because that way people could A, hear D. Boone's music even though he's gone, and B, all the royalties could then go to D. Boone's dad once again. Love Dance is one of the, I think it's the only song on the album where there's a fade out. Generally, Minutemen songs had beginnings and endings, and they didn't like to fade songs out. But uh, Love Dance is inspired by Ulysses. It's a metaphor for infinity, Mike Watt said. So like he likes the idea of the song fading out, and you kind of start the record at the same place that you ended it, and vice versa. Which is how my book begins and ends, too. It begins and ends with the same phrase. So my book's a metaphor for infinity as well. And that book that Michael's talking about is simply entitled Double Nickels on the Dime, one of many books in the series of 33 and a third appreciations of individual albums. Michael's been our guest on this version of WZBC's Test Pattern, devoted to Double Nickels on the Dime by the Minutemen. Thanks very much for coming down, Michael. John, thank you for having me. Thank you, WZBC and Mike Watt and Dukowski and... 
My thanks list is also a metaphor for infinity. <laughs> Stay tuned. WZBC's No Commercial Potential begins in just a few moments. there you have it uh, that's so nice of those cats to do that um, a two hour special well pertinent here on uh, the Minutemen's Double Nickels on the Dime album uh, I fucked up and mispronounced Michael's name the man who wrote the book and was interviewed there it's Michael Fournier of course <laughs> kind of a French thing uh, man <laughs> Sorry, Michael. Anyway, you can get his book uh, Amazon.com or Amazon.com. Did I say it right? <laughs> now I'm all second-guessing all my stupid moves. But uh, it's part of the 33 and a third series. It's called Double Nickels on the Dime. And you can go to my Hoot page and uh, get info on getting that book if you want. And uh, I sure appreciate both the radio broadcast and Michael... Fournier for uh, writing the book. Um, he also uh, told me he had it in his class at the college here. So 
that's pretty righteous uh, turning young people onto it uh, much respect to D. Boone George Hurley uh, for letting me play with them and be part of a record like that wow um, it's the end of the second hour of the Watt from Pedro show hold tight uh, December 8th 2007 edition hold tight for hour 3 December 8th 2007 it's the third hour of the Watt from Pedro show
talking to an angel. It must be talking to an angel. It must be talking to an angel. It must be talking to an angel. 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 Must be talking to an angel.
a lot from Pedro's show. Uh, we started out the third hour with There Must Be an Angel by Kaori Hayato. And then we had the Nels Klein Singers, featuring, of course, um, Mr. Nels Klein. <laughs> Righteous sensei in my life, one of them. I've been blessed with and uh, they did the Angel of Angels along with Devin Hoff and uh, Scott Amendola making up the singers I think Devin's going to play a little stand-up bass solo thing on my birthday at D. Piazza's on December 20 and of course I'll be playing with Nels and Perkins and Willie Norton Wisdom uh, Banyan Long Beach second time uh Second birthday in a row that I celebrated with a gig like that with those guys. I got to play with Perk last night along with Peter DiStefano and Hellride. And it was uh, rough. Oh, th- yeah, the third song was My World by the Go Team. <laughs> you get lost. I start off rough. It was uh, this place in Huntington Beach, Orange County. Uh, and this really nice man, Jason Stearman, put the uh, gig together he loves to uh, see us play and I don't do a lot of Hellride gigs although I'm going to play on the 22nd in some uh, Strummerville benefit up in Hollywood West Hollywood and uh, I guess this charity helps young bands young music people um, but uh, both Peter and Perk want me to write songs and make a Hellride album with them so I'm looking forward to that. I love those cats dear. I first uh, started playing with them uh, with Porno for Pyros uh, here 12 years ago now. Damn. 11. 11 or 12, whatever. I would go jam with Perk and his uh, pad up in the valley and things uh, happened where they needed someone to help. And it was the first time that I actually... Uh, yeah, I helped another band by touring with them and stuff like that. Uh, I just did the Ball Hog record. And that was on the heels of um, the last uh, a fire hose. And I just figured out you couldn't learn everything, always being the boss. And So, yeah find some teachers that's been my mission ever since I've been doing some spiels with people because I'm turning 50 and they want to talk to me about where I am in my life and yeah I'm here to learn that's what I'm figuring out and it's it's good I guess I always was but slow to <laughs> recognize that uh, here's some more music Keep on. 
know if it's poetry or preaching or bullshit or what. But I don't know where those lines begin or end anymore. I suspect the nomenclature itself. Headlines. History dead in Dallas. New leaders forever on the tape. Princeton poet drowned in his own epiphany piss. Lily Pill published in Poetry Mag. Poetry dead in the academe. Poets on the tape pass money public and private to friends. Art smart still missing. Bells. The birthday branch and tangle where the idiots blabber beyond the vine. Patriots of the village of cesspools all work for the government at some level. Lean on the pickup, can of bud in his hand, mad at someone. Vague church bells dwell, hid in the mind like a God-cut lawn. She's around, she's around, always around, like someone keeping her down. Look out the window every sundown. Man, I want to leave this town.
Watt from Pedro Show. Started that chunk of music out with uh, This Is Our Invite by Honey Truth. Mr. Vic Cooler there. And uh, one of his music endeavors. Great. Where'd I see him first? It was a lady from Bratmobile. Ah, my memory. I think it was in New York City, though. It's some art thing that uh, Kim Gordon was, uh, I don't know, had something to do with. It was by a famous old building, maybe Pioneer Press. Thurston was showing me around, explaining to me the history, mystery. Uh, right after that, we had Charles Plymel with, uh, I don't know if this is poetry. It's from a reading he did uh, a couple of months ago in October at Milton's in Lawrence, Kansas. Charlie's a great cat. I got to meet him at that uh, poem reading thing I did. And uh, last month, Western Massachusetts, Northampton at uh, Yod Space. Thank you, Mr. Byron Coley and Thurston Moore having me aboard and getting to meet Charlie. Great book he wrote called Last of the Moccasins. I advise everybody to read that. It's incredible. And he's a special cat. Well, we're all special, but in his own special way, he's special. (laughs) You know, in the ways all of us aren't there he's there and uh, uh, righteous man so I read his book and he's got a few others too and he does collages and he's just and you know who who was with him was Grant Hart and I ain't seen Grant a little bit so that was beautiful to be with him too he had an orange hat bright one like mine too Uh, we had Bullet Union after Charles with um, Robin, I'll be back in five minutes. You gotta love an, a title with an ellipse, you know. And then we had a sketchbook by Hiroshi N. Now, um, Hiroshi san uh, flowed me a tune and I put some bass on it, you know. He asked me to. And, uh, wow, I didn't have to go back and do it again. He liked what I did. So, I guess he's gonna conjured up with other sounds and uh, I'm going to be on uh, part of his next record so I was very generous of him interesting cat he came up to the Malibu gig yeah we played uh, <clears throat> first time I ever played Malibu that was a trip and it, there was bad fires Flea lost a house that he just moved out he told me uh, an old piano light got burned up, but not much other stuff. He he got things out. But it was about eight, ten miles up the road. So you know Malibu, it's canyons and PCH. PCH runs along the ocean. That's where we were along the ocean there. And uh, God, I got to stand next to Nels playing. He was drilling me. I was digging it. Uh. Yeah, I did music for a few people who give me songs. Uh, Kyoka, um, uh, K- 
King's Lower Town Michael from uh, Toronto. I, and I'm still, well, I'm almost done with the thing for uh, Miss Peek and her um, art thing. With uh, I guess the theme is one person. I, there I'm not playing with others. It's just bass on bass on bass. So and Kara gave me a new song too, a new dose song. So <clears throat> yeah, I've been doing that, uh, finishing it all up and getting ready for the Black Gang album. That's coming soon. Um, look, I told you about Michael uh, Fournier's uh, Fournier's book about double nickels on the dime. I should give you the correct infos or the exact infos. It's called uh, The Minutemen's Double Nickels on the Dime by Michael T. Fournier, which is F-O-U-R-N-I-E-R. And it's part of the 33 and a third series, which is uh, published by the Continuum, Continuum, <laughs> Continuum, right? C-O-N-T-I-N-U-U-M. International Publishing Group. And actually, the spiel he did with me um, was in 2006. It was a year before. <laughs> now, I'll have a link to that uh, spiel up at the TWFPS.com Watt from Pedro Show home with the good brothers at Sightworks. Help me... Uh, get this show together with. And um, so you can read exactly what I told him and stuff. And then, of course, it, uh, I want to thank again uh, the WZBC 90.3 FM people at Boston College for uh, having Michael aboard and talking about the record like that. Uh, here's some now.
from Peter's show that was uh, Thin Moon by P-N-D-E band from Belgrade and before that we had The Truth is Dark Like Outer Space by Evangelista which has uh, Carla Bozilich her buddy Tara and a few other cohorts Carla from Pedro old friend you know she was on tour in Europe a couple of weeks ago, some guy jumps on stage and punches her out. <clears throat> Idiot. I can't believe people. I mean, for nothing, you know? Just wigged out, maybe magic of alcohol or something. So heal up there, Carla. Incredible lady. Uh, we had Cornelius with Water Radori before that. Uh, a band called Finally Punk with Boyfriend Application. And we started off with Ra by now. And um, I think I'm going to be doing a spiel with the the main now guy. His name's Justin. Interesting man. I was talking about reading. I've been uh, reading a lot of other stuff. Well, not other, really. It's been all from this one writer, Haruki Murakami. And, uh, man, I've been bit with the bug, you know. I first read Kafka on the Shore last year, and I mean, just the last couple of days, I did uh, Sputnik Sweetheart and South of the Border, West of the Sun, After Dark. There's this anthology, uh, Willow. Just a sec. (laughs) 
Blind Willow Sleeping Woman. I wanted to say it right, you know. My uh, penchant for fucking things up. And that's an anthology of short stories. He's got an older one, too. But I think I'm going to get down to read them all, everything that's been translated anyway. Trippy writer. So maybe I'll check him out. Uh... I got a gig tonight with Tom and Raul, missing men again in Orange County. Ten miles further into the behind the uh, orange curtain than I was uh, last night, but uh, you know it's hard to get gigs down there. So same with the Valley. Jeez, I can't remember when I last played there. Yeah, the Valley and Inland Empire. Yeah. Hard gigs, I get gigs there, even harder than both those pads. So I don't know if people realize that about SoCal because uh, flying over it probably looks like one big town, but it's pretty balkanized and just little fiefdoms. Yeah, somebody, uh, I don't know why, but I just thought of gated communities and uh, somebody put on a thing, uh, I don't know, art installation at uh, the Skirball uh, trip up there in Mulholland Pass and uh, where they take statistics and then uh, uh, as a metaphor or analogy or something uh, they use grains of rice and the guy f- found out that the number of people living in the U.S. Uh, doing the uh, gated community thing is about Roughly equal to the prison population. <laughs> I don't know why that's funny, but it's it's trippy. Um, God, we had a little bit of rain. Haven't had a lot of rain in SoCal. Last week there was a little, and now this weekend a little. But we kind of need it. Uh, but I know you don't listen to the Watt for Pedro show for weather reports, so. Cali's kind of calm anyway. The rest of the country is pretty freezing. Although in Miami, it was uh, pretty humid. The day we played, it was it was sort of like Cali weather, but then the swelter came a little bit. Not real swelter. Yeah, about humidity, right? It can be in the 70s and still feel kind of sticky. Mexico City was very interesting. My first time there and playing there as well. And Popo, the uh, volcano went off. Not not big uh, lava flows and stuff, but uh, some smokes and stuff. Uh, pretty high up there. Maybe I mentioned that. 7,400 feet higher in Denver. So I had to... Didn't realize that until we started doing the gig. A lot of, it's an interesting town. 20 million people. A lot of cars, so the traffic is pretty plugged, but... Uh, I liked it a lot. The people are very nice, and I wish I could have spent more time there. But that's the dilemma of tour life. It's almost a taunt where you get to go to these pads, so you can't be an ingrate about it. But, man, if you could just uh, get a little more time to get thorough on it, or a little more thorough. Uh, I think we got time for one more song.
from Pedro show of course there's time for another song if it's uh, guided by voices or uh, Robert Pollard in this case I guess a solo trip now uh, that was red fins uh, and uh, God we're at the end of a, another edition what from Pedro show December 8th 2007 uh, yeah 12 more days I'm 50 uh, I, I want to thank you once again Michael Fournier for writing the book on the Double Nickels album and him and his buddy um, doing the radio thing at uh, WZBC and allowing me to rebroadcast it so y'all could hear it. Um, uh, yeah, I got to go uh, load up Ravel's drums. We got, uh, I think it's 40-something miles, 42 miles. That's the way SoCal is. But I ain't complaining. Imagine when you can... Thank you for that, Mr. Robert Pollard. Appreciate it. Everybody, keep your powder dry. <laughs>